out of 2 Corinthians 9, 15, which says, But thanks be to God for his unspeakable or indescribable or uncomprehendable gift. Um, last week, we were um, talking about that a little bit. And before uh, everything gets started in the morning, about 8 o'clock right now, uh, we meet upstairs and, and have prayer. And we will talk about the sermon a little bit, just kind of what's going on, and I've got some uh, faithful men and others up there um, that, that uh, like to talk about it, and a lot of times I get some really good uh, insight from them before, uh, you know, as last minute before I get up, and last week we were just talking about that word because it's an unusual word in the Bible. Paul put it several words together, but in our discussion, uh, Doug Campbell was there, he, he teaches one of our Sunday school classes, and that man loves to study, and, and he had been studying and during the sermon when I said that he looked it up uh, with some tools he has there at his disposal on his camera in fact he, on his phone I meant to say um, he, he told me that uh, I, I, it's my fault that that he had that on his phone anyway to play with it while I was trying to preach but uh, but as he looked it up and he was just and he, as he was realizing Paul being a, a Jew of the Jews, probably the smartest man other than Christ possibly who ever lived, period. And, and that's not too much of an exaggeration if it's an exaggeration at all. He discovered and he got so excited because last week's Sunday school lesson was out of um, Habakkuk, right? Yes, Habakkuk or Habakkuk, some people say, but I say Habakkuk. That's, that's how I learned when I was a kid. But but in there, God says to Habakkuk, if I told you what I was going to do, you couldn't even understand it. And that is one of the words that Paul reached back and grabbed and brought forward. So he was having a holy hallelujah fit over there and uh, was sharing that with me after church. I thought that was really exciting that Corinthians describes what God did for us as incomprehensible, undescribable. Paul made up a new word just to say, I got to make up a new word because there's no way to say this. That God is so great. And, and so we come to Thanksgiving and Christmas and even New Year's and we, we get trapped up in, in the world's way of looking at those things. And you know what they are. I don't need to enumerate it. But, but what I want to just focus our attention on as we come to the end of 2019 is that we ought to be thankful to God as we go into Thanksgiving. And, and then we'll talk about that indescribable gift he gave us between Thanksgiving and uh, Christmas. Uh, and, 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 and I get these are kind of topical sermons and, and I'm not going through a Bible book or anything. But I do want you to understand and, and, and what I want you to, especially in these Thanksgiving sermons, is to realize how much we have to be thankful for and that how much we ought to be thankful. In fact, um, just in, in the New Testament, it's almost 200 times the concept or the word of giving thanks to God is found. Almost 200 times. It, we, we use also as a theme for Thanksgiving, the focus of our Thanksgiving is today. Last week was the foundation of Thanksgiving. Today's our focus. Next week is the fruit. But we're using Psalm 100, make a joyful noise to the Lord. And Pastor Andy was quoting it. He's smarter than me, so he can do that. But I, I got to read it. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us and we are his. We're his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. Both in Corinthians and in the Psalm, is ought to be giving thanks even for what we can't fully grasp. 
It's so great, we can't even grasp it, but we ought to be giving thanks for it. It says, in his courts with praise, giving thanks to him. Bless his name, for the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever, and his faithfulness to all generations. I, this week we were at the Southern Baptist Conservatives, I'll call it a convention so you know what it is. It's our state meeting once a year. But in, in Virginia, that meeting is not like any Baptist business meeting you've ever been to. It's like a revival. In fact, one afternoon a guy preached and I, 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 was, I was tempted this morning to just say, listen to this and sit down and just play it up there for you. And we are going to do that in some other places. But, but man, it was so good. It was so powerful. He's an older man from, from, uh, from Florida. He's been in the same church over 30 years. It was awesome. And by the way, just for information, um, the, 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 the man that I was privileged to serve under for a year before I came to Calvary, uh, Dr. Alan McFarlane, um, is now the president of our Southern Baptist Conservatives. And, uh, and knowing what I know about how business things work, I knew I couldn't um, give a first to the motion because whoever did that did that. But when they said, is there a second, nobody else had a chance for I was yelling, yes. <laughs> and uh, and and uh, the moderator went. I thought so. So, um, uh, but so we're excited about that. But but in, in all of that, we, we're seeing all these stories of what God is doing through churches in our state, people from our state, where our state is reaching out beyond itself and reaching. Um, they're, they're even going to do a vision tour of D.C. We are already in Washington D.C. planning churches, doing a lot, and there's so much and. And, and, and the Southern Baptist Conservatives of Virginia really strive, number one, to be the right people, secondly, to do the right things, and thirdly, do them in the right way. And, and uh, I just made that up. That's not what they say. That's what I just said. Uh, I know they want to be the right people. The, the guys up there, they, they love the Lord, and they want us all to be correct in our, in our relationship with God. But then they, they want us to do the right things. And, and to know what those are, both those things, to be the right person, know the right things, it takes a walk with God, amen? That's going to be part of sermon today. You, you need to be walking with God, okay? I mentioned it last week. I'll say it again to this week. But, but somewhere, and, and it was just kind of weird that that happened, and then I started studying this sermon. I saw a picture, or, or maybe it was a, a, a video, or somewhere in just this week, I saw two people praying, and I couldn't hear what they were saying. It was, a, it was more of an illustration and it just hit me. These people are sitting there. I think it was two ladies. And they, they were kind of facing each other. Table, something between them maybe. And their heads were bowed down. Their eyes were closed. And you could see their mouth moving. And I just thought about us praying. We, we've prayed several times this morning. And, and, and what is prayer? Hopefully we're talking to God, right? And I only say hopefully because I, I'm talking about our motive and our what we're doing more than whether God can hear us or not. Of course, God is there, and yes, God can hear us. But then I, as I saw that, I just kind of had this thought. Do we really think we're talking to God? Or, on the other side of that, do we just take it for granted that we can talk to God? I mean... <laughs> Think about our claim. Our claim is that we say, let's pray. And then we are then in the presence and speaking to the one who spoke the universe into existence. And told us we could call him daddy. 
Not just father, daddy father. Papa, dada, abu, abba, whatever language you want to use. Daddy, father. And yet he created all this. Do we, do we really believe that or do we take it for granted that we are talking to an almighty God? And when, when you get a hold of just that concept, I could quit preaching and leave. Because it will make us thankful that you and I as mere human beings, as in fact rebellious fallen human beings who've realized their rebellion and asked God to forgive us, but yet we still rebel against his will from time to time and thank God that he brings conviction into our life through the Holy Spirit and that he doesn't bring condemnation back to us which we were born into condemnation y- y'all, y'all get that you were born condemned right you, you, you were hopeless and helpless my three month old I guess now still almost four maybe month old granddaughter right there on the second row is a sinner in need of a savior she was born in sin. She was born without the knowledge of God. And our prayer, as my wife and I prayed when we got married and every day since then, that God would help our children and our grandchildren to know him, to serve him, and for their mates to know him and to serve him, and that he would bring them together at the right time. And that little baby needs to know, God, I don't take that for granted uh, we, we need God, and, and, and as we think about that God would save us, whew, that's pretty good. And I don't want to take for granted what God did for me, because uh, l- let, me, let me just give you the point real quick. The focus of Thanksgiving is God, because we don't have anything that didn't come from Him, right? And... It, it, uh, let, me, let me define thanksgiving for you. It comes from two different Greek words. It means grace or a gift. And the word that means to acknowledge or confess. So you're confessing that you received a gift from someone in thanksgiving. That's what it means. You're, you're saying, I agree with you or I, I acknowledge and I confess that you, whoever you are, gave me something. So when we give thanksgiving to God, we're saying to God, you gave me salvation when I didn't deserve it and I could not earn it. And it was a gift from you and I am thankful for that gift. And at Thanksgiving time, we have, we mentioned it last week, that the one we count as the first Thanksgiving, there were before then and since then, obviously, but, but, but those people were just thankful to God that they had survived and they were thankful for the Native Americans who had helped them survive and brought them in and said, hey, let's eat together. And they had a great meal together, I assume, for that day. Uh, but here's a definition of Thanksgiving. It's a, mute, uh, a mental or verbal and or, it could be both, verbal expression of one's, me and me, or you, acknowledgement and appreciation of God's person, His grace, His blessing, and his sovereign work in my life and in the world. In other words, I recognize he's God and I'm not. That's the Bible in five words. You're God I'm not, and I'm not. I know that's six words if you take out the apostrophe between the I and the M. But you're God, I'm not. That's five words. How's that? 
just in case you're keeping count. Some people get all bent out of shape, you know, on those kind of small errors. So I just like to let you know I knew what I was doing. I was, all right. And we acknowledge that God rules in our lives. Here's what I want you to take home with you today as far as something to take home. And that is this. In all of time and space, God is the source, the sustainer, and the solution to all the needs of my life. Do you understand that? That everything you need comes from God. Everything you've got comes from God. The reason you are still breathing today is a gift from God. The reason you woke up this morning is a gift from God. And if you have your hearing, you have it because of God. If you can see through those eyes, it's because of God. If you can smell, it's because of God. If you can feel, it's because of God. If you got hair or had it and lost it, it's because of God. I don't care if mine turns color. I just don't want it to turn loose, but I don't really get to choose that. The reason you will have food today, if you will, is because of God. And if you didn't have any of those things, you still ought to be thankful to God because the circumstance of your life, He's in control of and He is doing His will in your life for your good and His glory. And Psalm 17, I mean, not Psalm, Acts 17, sorry. Acts 17 and verse 28. I was reminded of this verse this morning by one of my brothers at the table. Says this, it's Paul preaching in, in, uh, uh, at the Areopagus. And he says these words. In him we live and move and have our being. In God we live, we move, we have our being. Everything we do, everything we say, every life that we live is because of God. A songwriter in the, I guess it was the 80s by then, might have been even the 70s, wrote a song and said, I will celebrate this heartbeat because it just might be my last. I thought it was a great way to think about minute by minute, moment by moment. Every time my heart goes, pa-boom, pa-boom, pa-boom. It ought to be going, thank you, thank you, thank you. Because one day it's going to go, thank you. And the next breath I'll take will be heavenly air. The next sight I see will be his face. And if I have a heart in the new body, it will beat to heaven's rhythm. Amen. Amen. So I don't know about you, but I think I ought to be grateful. I want you to look with me in the book of Colossians. Uh, again, I'm, I'm kind of taking off a little bit today. And I, I want to show you a couple of things out of Colossians chapter 1. Verses 10 to 14, specifically 12 to 14. And it's not going to be a deep exegesis of this, but enough to get some things out of it to help us in our thanksgiving. And I keep talking about God. The focus of, of thanksgiving is God, period. End of discussion, end of question. But what does that mean? How does that play out in our life? And when I use the word God, I, I'm, I'm in danger a little bit. And I'll tell you why. Because... There's a lot of things that can be God to you. But there's only one true God. You know, there, there are people that say, well, that's your truth. No, there is the truth and there's your opinion. You don't get to have an alternate truth. I, I saw a little meme this week. It said, is there, 
Are there absolutes? And it's one of those charts. Well, if your answer is no, there's this. If it's yes, it's this. And it said, are there absolute truths? And under it said no. And under no, it says, since you just made an absolute statement stating there were no absolutes, I assume you're being facetious. So, yes, there are absolutes. And truth is an absolute. Remember, Pilate said, what is the truth? And Jesus had already told him, I am the truth. In John 14, he told us, I am the truth. A truth is not a thing, it's a person. And everything that flows out of him is... is, is and so there are people, Jehovah Witnesses believe in God. Muslims believe in God. Mormons believe in God. So we got to define which God. So when I say to be thankful to God, I don't mean, you know, if you worship squirrels running down an electrical wire as your God, that's not who I'm talking about. I'm talking about the God who's revealed himself as Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit in the Bible, who said in Genesis, let us make God in our image, showing there's more than two of them, there's at least three. God in three persons. I know it sounds weird to say it that way. People always ask me, can you explain the Trinity and the right answer? Because we can't. That is one of those indescribable things we cannot fully comprehend. We've got a fancy way of saying it. I'm not going to try it because I didn't write it down and I'll mess it up if I try to say it. But God has revealed himself as three persons, one God. You say, that can't be. Well, in marriage, the Bible says there's a husband and a wife, a man and a woman, and those two are one. And if it's not a man and a woman, it's not marriage. And, and those two are one. God is Father, Son, Holy Spirit. They're the same in essence, purpose, and, and power, uh, yet three distinct persons. And we know the Father. We know His name as YWH, uh, Y-H-W-H. We don't know the vowels in there. So we say Yahweh or some. They put the letters from Adonai in there and made it uh, Jehovah. But that is God the Father. God the Son is Jesus Savior and the Holy Spirit, we're not told his name, only his title, the Holy Spirit, the Comforter. We don't know his personal name, but that's okay. He's still God, and it is the Holy Spirit who lives in us. It is Jesus who died for us so that we could have the Holy Spirit live with us in the church and in the people. And God the Father is the author of all things. And we are thankful to the Trinity in whole, okay? So I I just want to get that out there. That was a little doctrinal theology lesson for you. you. If you're confused, don't worry. Everybody is. But if you want to talk about it further, uh, we can get confused on a much deeper level if you'd like to. So, but in Colossians 1, there are four commands in verses 10 through 12. And, and I just want to point those out to you because they mean something to us. And at beginning of verse 10, well, let me go back up to verse 9. Here's the purpose of Paul writing. So from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you would be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding. So the very first thing is to be filled with the knowledge of God's will. That's what you and I have to do. The first will of God in any person's life is to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. He is the Lord, and so if you receive Him as Savior, you are receiving Him as Lord. That used to be a big debate. Do you have to confess Jesus as Lord before He can be your Savior? Well, it's one and the same. You don't get a Savior without Him being the boss of your life. It's not Jesus and something else. It's Jesus only. 
And he never comes next. He is Lord of all or he's not Lord at all in our own experiences. And so we need to be filled with the knowledge of his will. His will is that you be saved. And if you're not saved today, and you may not understand that term saved, if I'm lost in the woods, somebody needs to rescue me or save me. If I'm drowning in the, in the sea, my son was a lifeguard. If I'm drowning, which is possible, I need him to get in there and get me out. I need a savior. I need someone to save me. We are lost in sin, going to hell. We needed a savior. And the very first step in our relationship with God is to accept the the knowledge and, and the truth that Jesus Christ is that savior. There is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Acts chapter 4 verse 12. That's the only way you and I can be saved. Secondly, he says... And that, in verse 10, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to Him. In other words, the way we live our life ought to be pleasing to God. We don't get to choose. We don't get to decide. We are living in a society now, as I said, they talk about your truth. Oh, well, that's your truth. As if you can deny the truth by saying you just don't believe it. That's just a new modern way of saying, I don't believe the truth. Okay? I need some amens because I really need to take a drink. Thank you. And hide that awful sound of me swallowing. Um, We we, we live in a time in a society where where it's okay. Whatever you want to do is all right. It's not all right. Loots in God's word. There's some things that he calls sin that says a Christian should not engage in. And, and, and some of those in past and probably today, there's some things people say are wrong that may not be wrong. There's some things people say are all right, may not be all right. That's why we got to look in God's word to see what it says. Some people make up stuff and claim it's in God's word. Okay. And, and so I always just say, show me if you can prove it um, in an argument. I'm not going to argue with you because my opinion is just like yours. It's my opinion and it stinks. But God's opinion is always right. So we got to get there to find out what the truth is, right? So he says, so you ought to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. Well, Jesus never made a mistake. He was perfect. Right. I'm not going to be perfect, but I can walk in a way that is worthy of him. Worthy of his name. In other words, not to be cowardly about the gospel. Not to run from him. Not to run from the duty that he's laid in front of me. Bearing fruit, it says, goes on to say, in every good work. This is the fourth command. We're to be filled with the knowledge of his will. We are to walk in a manner worthy. And then we're to bear fruit. Fruit is any gain on God's investment. It can be souls. It can be spiritual growth. It could be helping someone in any way. We can bear fruit because without God, I'm a very selfish person. With God, I'm still selfish, but he helps me overcome that, right? And, and you're selfish too, I mean, we all are. This is the sin of man, is that all we like sheep have gone astray. We've gone each one to his own way. And the reason you disagree with anybody is they're obviously wrong because they don't agree with you. Right? And so the Lord had to lay on Christ the iniquity of us all. You know, that was Satan's temptation to Eve. Oh, could God possibly be right about that? And ever since then, men have questioned whether God's right or not. Well, there comes a day. I like the bumper sticker that said, right now, even Darwin's convinced. 
I, I just would hate to be an atheist and die and in the next moment go, oops. Right? And then, just, just so you know, I, I don't want to make too much of this because uh, e either I talked too much to get started or I started later than I thought. But there in verse 12, it starts by saying giving thanks. It, when it says that to be, uh, to be uh, walking in a manner worthy of him, bearing fruit in every good work, increasing in the knowledge of God, that's also a fruit, as I said, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, for all endurance and patience. And then the words in your Bible in verse 11 ends with, with joy. And then verse 12 begins with giving thanks. We, we, you got to understand that when the Bible was written in a different language, there wasn't even a gap between the words. And so we have to kind of know in context and looking at the ending of words where they belong. And we believe that that might have been better when they were just sticking numbers in there. If they'd have stuck the numbers before the words... Before the words, with joy. In other words, we don't get power for endurance and patience with joy. With joy, we give thanks. With joy, we give thanks. It's not like, thank you. Y'all remember, I, well, if you're old enough, this may not happen to some of the younger people anymore. I don't know, maybe it still does. But did, but did you have that same aunt or relative or friend that, that I had that knitted you a sweater or, or gave you that gift that was totally inappropriate you didn't even want or thought you were still three when you were 15. You know what I'm talking about? You know, they hadn't seen you in years. The last time they saw you were playing with, you know, Hot Wheels cars and now you've got a driver's license and so they buy you Hot Wheel cars and that ungrateful kid opens it and goes, Ugh. and your mom kicks you and says, you be grateful saying Thanks, aunt so-and-so. Well, that's not with joy. And sometimes we look at what God's given us and we think, oh, this isn't appropriate. I don't want this. I don't want this wife. I don't want this husband. I don't want these children. I don't want this job. I don't want to live in this place. I don't want this. Discontentment. The Bible says contentment with godliness is great gain. Because God is the gift giver. He's given you the best for you. I touched on husbands and wives so many times I, I talk to them and the husband's talking about how horrible his wife is and I always ask him, well, what kind of husband has she had to turn her into such a thing? Or the wife's complaining about the husband's habits and I asked, did you know that before you got married? Yeah. Well, why did you? See, women marry men expecting to change them and men marry women expecting them to stay the same and both are greatly disappointed. Because men think like men think, women think like women think, women think men will be like them, and men think women will be like them, and that's not the way it works. Again, no matter what modern society tells you, God made them male and female, and he made them different. And viva la difference. <laughs> Long live the difference. In fact, well, never mind, stop. <laughs> that, that was close. Woo, that was real close. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> So with joy giving thanks, when our kids were little, we would make them obey. In case you're a parent, you don't know. How do you do that? God made you bigger and stronger for a reason. But we made them obey with joy because they would do it. 
you get happy. You better be, okay, I'm happy. And I knew they weren't happy, but I wanted them to learn, guess what? You don't got to like it. You just got to do it because that's a lesson in life. And I don't know if you've been noticing lately, but it seems like, and I'm, I don't want to condemn old generation of people because I know people aren't all, everybody's not like this, but it seems like there's a lot of people today and some of our younger generations who don't get that life ain't fair. And if they don't want to do it, they don't think they have to do it. But guess what? You don't got to like it, but you got to do it. And God tells us about the same thing in Christianity. Even if you don't like it, you still got to do it. Now, the cool thing is, he gives us joy. It's part of the fruit of the Spirit, right? Love, peace, joy. God, if you don't have joy, either you're not in touch with God or you don't have God because joy is a gift. It does. See, we, we all want to be happy and we think happiness and joy are the same thing, but they're not. Happiness depends on my circumstances. Happiness is if I got the right present at Christmas, if I got to do what I wanted to do instead of what everybody else wanted to do, if I got the ice cream I wanted or the sandwich I wanted or the, or the, or the, uh, the, the dessert, the cake I wanted or the pie I wanted. You know, there was a guy at work, and he opened his lunchbox, started eating. And he went, ah, bologna, again, with the bologna sandwich. I can't believe every day it's a bologna sandwich. You would think, sometime it'd be, I get, and the guy goes, man, man, calm down. Dude, what is wrong with you? Just tell your wife you want some other than bologna. He goes, what wife? I'm single. I make my own lunch. <laughs> you know people like that? I do. I mean, they're just... Well, that's happiness. Joy doesn't need anything but God. It doesn't need circumstances. It doesn't need trinkets. It doesn't need bribery. Joy is just part. Joy wells up. Remember what Jesus said, if you drink from me, I will flow out. The spirit will flow out of you like a river of living water, a fountain gushing out of us. We used to sing a little song. I got a river of life flowing out of me. I know I don't sing well, but... Y'all know that song? Well, do the rest with me. Makes the lame to walk and the blind to see, right? I got a river of life flowing out of me. Spring up, oh, well, gush, gush, gush. There you go. All right, you knew that part. I just wanted to get to that part, this part. God is supposed to be exploding out of us around people so they can see God walking in a manner worthy. And if that's not happening, maybe... You and I got a problem and we need to be thankful because see, this leads to the reasons for giving thanks that he enumerates in 12 to 14. Man, our time is way past, but somebody wrote me this week and said, you just say what God told you to say. Don't worry about the clock. So I'm going to do that for a second. I won't tell you their name so you won't beat them up later, but <laughs> giving thanks to the father. My wife grew up without a dad. And <laughs> as a husband to her, that's the greatest blessing and the worst curse ever. The worst curse because when you don't have a dad, you don't know that dads are fallible. <laughs> and you're looking for that knight in shining armor. And I'm not that. But it's the greatest because no matter what I did, it was better than what she ever saw, <laughs> right? And I just remember those times when childish unthankfulness that kids have. Her saying, you ought to be thankful you got a dad. 
giving thanks to the Father. We got a Father who loves us, who wants our best, who wants to give us his best. And we pitch a fit and want it in a different color. It used to be a TV show. I never watched it. I watched five minutes of it one day. I couldn't stand it. It was called My 16th Birthday. It was like rich kids on their 16th birthday. And, every, and I watched this girl and the dad open the garage door and there was a brand new Porsche. My dream, if I ever bought a car like that, it'd be a Porsche Turbo Carrera with a whale's tail. It would just be bad, you know. And God doesn't give me those cars because I'd kill myself or somebody else driving it. And the door opened and literally the girl said, it's red. I want it blue. Click. I said, I can't stand it because I'm going to try to get through the TV to beat her up. I mean, I just, <laughs> are you kidding me? But see, we're spoiled, maybe not at that level, but at the level where we live, right? The Bible says better have a meal of beans where love is than to eat a fatted ox and with contention in the house. Be content, man. And so he says, first of all, there in verse 12, sorry, I went off on a tangent. I hope that helps somebody. He had, thanks to the Father, who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. You were not qualified. I, I, I watched my team play yesterday. They did good. And, and y'all pray, this is not a joke. For, for the quarterback from Alabama, he got seriously hurt in the game yesterday. Maybe he'll never play football again. He had a bright, bright, bright future. Christian young man from Hawaii. And, and he got seriously injured. Pray, pray for his healing. But, but I, I'm not qualified to play on that team. I'm not qualified to be saved. And neither are you. He qualifies us. The only thing you did to get your salvation is the sin that made it necessary. That's a quote from Jonathan Edwards. That's the only thing I contributed to my salvation was sin that made it necessary. But God qualified me to be called a saint. <laughs> wow. That's a little bit crazy to me. Qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. Then after he qualified me, he rescued me, delivered me from the domain of darkness. I told you about being saved. You see, the sea I was drowning in, the woods I was lost in, was a domain of darkness. Every word he speaks is a lie, but it sounds like truth. He's got glittering things that are not gold, and you reach for them. When you grab them, you find that they're not gold, but they're pot metal, and they destroy, and they kill, and they might be fun for a minute, but boy, once you get a hold of it, it'll turn on you. It'll bite you like a snake. And he delivered me out of that domain. He saved me out of the domain of darkness. And the third thing he did, he transferred me into the kingdom of light. That's pretty cool. He transferred me into his kingdom of his beloved son. I'm in the kingdom of Jesus. I am a citizen of the kingdom of Jesus. And you don't know it. I don't look like it. But I'm a prince in that kingdom. And one day, I get to rule on this planet. For a thousand years at least, I get to rule a part of this planet. I don't know what part. I don't know if I get a choice. I don't know. Don't care. It's going to be fun. I get, to, I get to command angels for a thousand years. In the millennium. It's 
last day stuff, but that's what's coming. And that's why John wrote in 1 John, Beloved, let me read it to you just so I get it out right because I'll mess it up. See what kind of love. This is 1 John 3, 1. The Father has given us that we should be called the children of God. And so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is it doesn't know Him. Beloved, we are God's children now. And what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when, we, when He appears, we shall be like Him because we will see Him as He is. And everyone who has this hope in Him purifies himself even as he is pure. Great passage, 1 John 3, first three verses I think I've just read. You see, that word transferred in Colossians is the same word that Star Trek uses when Captain Kirk flips open his little thing back in the 60s and says, beam me up, Scotty. It's the same word. You don't walk out of that darkness. You don't stroll out. You don't run out. You don't swim out. God reaches in there like with a mighty hand and picks you up out of it and brings you over like a crane arm and goes, plop, and puts you in his kingdom. That's what the words mean. I don't earn it. I don't deserve it. Nothing I can do to get it. God reaches down. I go, God, thank you. He goes, sure, I got you. Come on. And sets me in his kingdom. And I look around. Wow, all these people are redeemed. All these people are know Christ. We're, we're going on a journey together. It ends in heaven with him. Or it might end on a horse coming back. I don't know. It's going to be fun whichever way. It happens for me. You see, we are redeemed is what it says. In whom we have redemption in verse 14. The forgiveness of sin. Redemption means to be bought out of the world's marketplace. Never to be put back in. God doesn't buy us, try us out. I've been married 32 years this December. We married in 87. This is 19. Yeah, that's right. 32 years. And here's, this is just an observation as a man about a woman, not my wife in particular. All y'all do this. That are women. And all you men are wondering why. My wife can go to the store to buy an article of clothing, no matter what it is. It happened this morning. And I thought about it. I didn't say anything about it, but I thought about it. I didn't think about it for the sermon until just now, so I may have to pay later. But anyway, no, she doesn't do that. I'm just kidding. And you'll try it on. You'll look at it in the mirror. This is great. You'll bring it home. Then the event will come up for which you bought it. you put it on. You go, this is no good. I got to take it back. What? In 32 years, I'll say, I need to buy a pair of pants. I'll pick them up. Yep. And she'll go, you going to try those on? Nope. It's got the numbers right there. That's what I wear. Now, I'll get home, they'll be too tight, too loose, too short, too long, whatever. But who cares? The numbers were right, so it's good. Right? And that, and that what happens? Well, guess what? When God buys us, He never returns us. He never goes, oh, you don't quite fit. You're done. He keeps us. That's good news. I don't mind my wife taking it back. It saves me money. <laughs> She, listen, I, I, I joke up here so you'll laugh a little bit. She saves money. I spend money, okay? I just want to make that clear. I'm just really, truly making a joke. Well, when should we be thankful? And wow, when we pray. I, I, I've given you all the verses. I hope you got that paper today. We ought to be thankful when we're in prayer. We ought to be thankful in everything we do and for everything we have. We ought to be 
thankful for why we have it because God saved us. We ought to be thankful for God himself and his sovereign activity, for his salvation, for the riches spiritually that he gives us after salvation. You see, here's, here's, here's the way we should live our life in thankfulness. If, if you want to live a thankful life, first of all, you've got to be filled with the word of God. Okay? If, if you want to be thankful, be filled, because you can't read this word without going, whoa, God, you're amazing, you're awesome, thank you so much for letting me know you. And you've got to fill your heart with the word of God. And then secondly, you've got to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 5 tells you that, some verses I gave you there. You've got to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And, and by that, I don't mean just when you're saved, you get baptized in the Spirit. But then every day, you, and several times a day, you need to be filled with the Spirit. And if, if you find yourself getting away from God, you can come back and say, Lord, refill me with your Spirit. Get, give me, fill me up more. But it, it's like this bottle. I'm slowly getting rid of the water in it. But when it's full of water, you can't fit anything else in there, right? But... As it goes away, this bottle may need refilling. And if you fill your life with God, the junk can't get in there. If you let God's Spirit fill you, but maybe you've got something you won't let go of and the Holy Spirit can't get into there because you won't get rid of that. I read one time how you can catch a monkey alive in a jungle. Tie a rope to a coconut and drill a hole in it big enough for him to get his hand in. But when he makes a fist, not get his hand out and put a pebble in there. And when he sees it and he shakes it and he hears something, he'll reach in there and grab it. And then when he pulls his hand out, he can't come out. And he will never let go of that little rock until the hunter comes and gets him and kills him and makes a meal out of him if you live in that part of the world. And we've got sin that's going to cause us to be killed and we won't let go of it. Satan's holding us. So be filled with the Spirit. Be thankful that God is your Father. And be thankful for this church, for the church and for this church. This church is where we get together and get nurture and, and help and food and life and light and grace and fellowship and love and prayer. This is where we can come and go, I'm a mess and I need help. It ought to be. If you come and tell somebody, I'm a mess and I need help, and you tell them what your mess is, and they get all over your case, you, you've met the wrong one, come to somebody else, because that's not what we're about. We're about, if you need help, we're here to help you. And guess what? We all need help. And the reason I know that is because I need help, and I know most of you realize you need help too. And so I'm not going to judge you because you sin differently than me, because we both mess up. We both need help, right? So this week, seek God in your Bible reading this week. And, and, and I put this up here. Sometimes you read the Bible and you're just reading the words. You're not paying attention to what they're saying. Here's how you can help yourself focus. What is God doing here? What is God saying here? What is God accomplishing? What kind of God would do this? What kind of God would say this? And get to understand who God is through his word. And then be conscious of walking in the spirit. That God is your father and that you're a member of Calvary. This week, just make sure you're conscious of that. Today, Lord, every morning my wife leaves for work, I pray for her. And, and this is the prayer she asked me to pray some years back, and I've been praying it every day since. This today, Lord, what I said earlier, may your Holy Spirit flow out of her like a river of living water to everybody she touches.
everybody she sees. She took a job one time in a, in a school and a non-saved person told her, you bring a light into the room when you walk in. They could tell there was something there. Listen, be conscious that God, the Holy Spirit, is. that's not bragging on her, it's bragging on God. That God, the Holy Spirit, is with you. That God is our Father. We've got a Father that loves us. And that be thankful you're a member of Calvary. And then thirdly, once you make a promise to yourself that this season, this Thanksgiving, this Christmas, this New Year's, it won't be about what the world says it's about. It'll all be about who God is. That we are thankful to God that he gave us a gift, that he gives us a new beginning every day. His mercies are new, it says in Ecclesiastes, every morning. Isn't that great? Great is his faithfulness. And so... Let's focus on God and be thankful to Him. Father, we love you. We thank you.